0: As I read that psalm response and uh, reflected on that psalm, uh, I couldn't help but remember a particular story, whether it's a true story or, or just a pie story that homilists uh, would tell, I, I don't know, so you might not be able to find it online or whatever, but the story is told of a medieval monastery that had been established a number of years before and they were a slowly dying monastery. They hadn't had new members for a while. They had grown cold in their service to one another. In fact, they barely tolerated each other. Oh, they gathered, gathered for mass and prayer and service, but that was about it. And They only did what was barely minimum for them. And as a result, in the medieval ages, it was the monastery that was the center of really the religious services of the community, the community itself was starting to suffer. And one day a beggar came and asked for overnight accommodations, which thankfully the monastery provided him. And the next morning, sensing that that there was something profoundly wrong with that community because of the lack of warmth and hospitality that he had received, he said very loudly at breakfast, the Holy One is among you. Well, the monks who overheard him didn't know necessarily what that meant. And they shared that with the other monks who lived in that monastery. And no one really understood what that meant, but they knew if it was true, they had to change. They had to do something different. So each one on their own decided, well, I I know I'm not the Holy One, but I don't know who is. So therefore, I need to go a little bit more. I need to love a little bit more deeply. I need to pray a little bit more devotedly. I need to serve a little bit more willingly. And slowly, the community was transformed. It became not a place of coldness, but a place of warmth, of hospitality. And the community around it began to thrive again. Well, as it would be, the the beggar came back after a few years and noticed the change. And one of the monks recognized him and said, You said the Holy One was among us, but we can't figure out which one it was. He said, Well, it's all of you. That if Jesus really lives in us, it's all of us. They had forgotten through time that Jesus wants and desires to be in each and every one of our lives. And I think sometimes we approach our spiritual life much in the same way. We get a little cold after a while. We get a little lackadaisical in our services, in our charities, in our prayer. Or we go through the motions just fine and externally it looks okay. But if we really did an examination, we would realize and recognize how far we had come. And that's why Advent is such an important season for us. Well, Lent too. Lent is a little bit more intense. But Advent especially, to remember that Christ is coming again. And that while we read in the scriptures today this, this, of this first coming, this is right before Jesus' baptism, the people are filled with expectation, and there's almost this sense of joyful expectation. They don't know what to do, and they're asking John, because John is the one who's to prepare the way, what are we to do? How are we to live? If this is true that the Messiah is coming, how do we prepare best for his coming? And I find it fitting that we have these particular three answers to these three different groups. Of course, in the scriptures, anytime one of the saints or, or Jesus, of course, gives us an answer, it's for all of us to listen to. So the, the people in the crowds, what are we to do? Whoever has two cloaks, give one. To someone who has none, if you have extra food, give it to the one who needs it. And we might extend this out now to acts of mercy, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, perhaps. They spell them out to visit the sick and the imprisoned and give water to the thirsty and, and food to the hungry, clothe the naked. And there's various ways we do this. Most of us, uh, thankfully, don't see too many naked people around, but we still can clothe them through uh, supporting the thrift store or various other things, or the, chair, the uh, spiritual works of mercy of instructing the ignorant or, or correcting the sinner, or uh, providing uh, counsel and rest to those who are most in need. And then we have the tax collectors. and Of course, tax collectors in the day were hated even more than they are still hated today. But the tax collectors of the day were given a quota. You are to raise X amount of taxes from this group of people. And so if they raised anything more than that amount, they got to keep it. And so tax collectors got to be very rich, part of the reason they were despised. But part was the taxes then went to support Rome. Not Jerusalem, not Israel. And when they ask, what are we to do? Stop collecting more than what's prescribed. See, they had to assess everyone. But if they assessed everyone fairly, if they did their job the way that they were supposed to, they would be okay. And so, perhaps to extend this, there's not many tax collectors among us, probably. Thank God, maybe. But how are we to live to do our jobs and to do it well, to do it to the best of our ability? And then we have the soldiers, and these most likely were Roman soldiers. Not, uh, there, there were a few soldiers in Israel, but they mostly were the, the soldiers around the temple area. They weren't, wouldn't have been given uh, control of anything else. So again, these are probably Roman soldiers. What are we to do? Notice that even the pagans are coming and asking. What are we to do? Or the Gentiles, I should probably say. And John answers, do not practice extortion. This would be, of course, the opposite of a bribe. A bribe is where uh, somebody wants to get off, and so they try to give somebody an authority of money to get their way. This instead is, I will give you your way if you you do what I uh, give me money. Or don't falsely accuse someone. Uh, don't we see that yet, where it's easy to pin a crime on somebody who just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or or for whatever reason? Or be satisfied with your wages. They would often find ways to supplement, to use a euphemism, their wages by sometimes uh, not just nightcapping or, or whatever the uh, word you want to use for having a second job, but again, just kind of taking from somebody who has so little already. In a very real way, John the Baptist is inviting them to live the commandments, especially to avoid greed and, and lying and theft. And so perhaps if we take these three answers, we start to see the answer of how are we to prepare? If Jesus is coming again, and we believe he is, how are we to prepare, prepare? Well, it's works of mercy. It's doing what we are called to do. And it's living the commandments. But if we're honest, we fail. Unfortunately, we fail maybe too often. Our hearts get cold. We get a little lax, as I already said. And so we need something more. And that's why the great sacrament of reconciliation is so important for us. We remember that there we encounter God's grace and his mercy. I should back up and remind you that mercy is not uh, giving what we deserve, but giving what we don't deserve so often. That the Lord in his mercy gives us forgiveness, even though sometimes we've sinned so much that any, anyone else would cease to forgive. But God cannot help himself but forgive. It is who he is to forgive. He gives us mercy and so if he gives us mercy, then we give mercy to others. So we go into that great sacrament and we encounter the Lord again and again and again. And So often, in, in last week with the first reconciliation of our religious ed students, I couldn't help but remind some of them that our focus isn't necessarily on our sins. Yes, we bring our sins into the Lord and we set them down before him. But our focus is on the mercy that he has for us, that our hearts could be clean and pure Purified, and that when he comes again, there's nothing there but joy, love. And so often we get, like that community that I shared in the beginning, we get cold, and we need to be warmed again. I can't help but think what would happen to this world if every Christian understood that the Holy One is among us. They're all asking in, in today's gospel, is it, is it John? Is he the Holy One? No, John says there's another. He's coming with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's in this image of destruction, yet purification. The winnowing hand, fan is in his hand, and he's ready to blow the chafe away, the stuff that is not good, the stuff that is worthless. Chafe is not even good for fire. It, it's actually explosive if you get too much, but that's another story. He's gathering the wheat into his barn. That when he comes again, may the Lord find us ready, prepared, through acts of mercy, through doing what we are called to do, and through avoiding a life of sin. And when we do sin, to be reconciled to the Lord.